You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Crypt Chop C, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Last night was another insane Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. I love these. It is so cool. I love how it's growing. I love watching how you guys have become friends online. Thanks to these hangs, I'm seeing you connect. I'm seeing you guys all interacting. I love it. So if anyone would like to join next week's, it's going to be happening on Thursday, always on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please come and hang out. Spread the word to any of your craft beer, metal-loving friends. It is a good time, and uh, I just love hanging out with fellow metalheads, fellow craft beer nerds. And uh, most of the time, there's some Vox and Hops alumni there. There's a bunch of other Vox and Hops heads. And there's uh, sometimes even some of my closest friends show up. So I, I love these. I can't wait to see you all again next Thursday. Come hang out. It's always a blast. On today's episode, I am with Emilio Crespo, the vocalist of Sojourner. They just dropped a ridiculous album which came out last week called Premonitions via Napalm Records. You should absolutely go check it out. It is melodic. It is heavy. It is super cool and you should check it out. So here is Vox and Hops episode number 143 with Emilio Crespo of Sojourner. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Emilio Crespo from Sojourner. I am uh, very happy to be with you because uh, not only is it uh, my first time meeting you, it's also an album release day for you, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, Congrats on uh, your new record, uh, Premonitions, which came out today. Uh, All of you hearing this, uh, that means it was out last week. Uh, Let's start with a very easy question. Uh, How are you? How do you celebrate when you release a new record? Well, I'm good. Thanks. Um, so, well, today is actually hasn't been like a lot of partying or anything like that. Obviously, quarantine, lockdown. So, you know, just at home and uh, just relaxing, uh, taking care of, of course, like business aspects, social media, all that kind of stuff. But uh, other than that, just like, you know, spinning the record and kind of like thinking, oh, finally it's out, you know? I mean, we've been listening to it for months and months and months, but like... Yeah, it just feels really cool now that it's, you know, in everybody's hands and it's just a really awesome feeling every single time that you release an album. It's almost like a like a weight is lifted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the anticipation and all that and even sometimes a little bit of anxiety maybe, but yeah, it's really cool. I always have anxiety cuz I came from uh my first major release was The Unspoken King with Cryptopsy which got the worst reviews in history <laughs> so <laughs> no matter oh, really? what i'm releasing anything new even though we'll never go down that path again <laughs> i'm still wearing <laughs> have that little <laughs> knot in the pit of my stomach um how are you <laughs> handling social isolation are you an introvert an extrovert how has this been for you well i'm actually kind of both things you know like many times i really do enjoy like my solitude and and self-isolation even before all this happened. But I am at the same time a very social guy when I'm like, you know, in these circumstances of like playing live or just I'm going to a show by myself or just whatever or dinner with friends and stuff like that. But I, yeah, so this whole quarantine thing doesn't really impact me, you know? Of course you go a little bit stir crazy when you haven't left the house for like, you know, a week and a half straight. You just kind of want to, you know, go outside and just do something. But 
but yeah, it hasn't impacted me the way it maybe has others. So good, I'd say. <laughs> I know you guys are scattered across the globe. Where exactly are you right now? So I'm in uh, Malmo, uh, South uh, Sweden. And uh, yeah, then our other members, uh, one's in Dundee, another's in St. Andrews. Um, the guitarist lives in Gothenburg, but he's uh, uh, actually down here at the moment. Uh, then our drummer's in Italy, and then our like studio bassist, he's in New Zealand. So, uh, With uh, how Sweden has approached COVID-19, there's been some criticism about how lenient your government has been. How? What is your take on that? I agree. Um, I mean, it's, I think not having any actual lockdown and stuff and just kind of leaving it up to people is kind of a stupid thing to do because the fact is you have a lot of stupid people <laughs> around and they just don't, you know, adhere to safety measures and all this kind of stuff. And I think it definitely imposing more stricter rules is the way to go. You know, of course, people can argue, oh, you're taking away freedom or whatever. But it's like right now we need to think about, you know, the vast majority, you know, rather than just the self at these in these times. I'm from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and Quebec is the first people that have been opening up schools again, opening up childcare establishments. And I don't know what to think about it. I am very worried and afraid because I do work in childcare, so I'm basically going back to work. They just pushed it back an extra week. So uh, I'm not looking forward to going back to work and having to wear a mask and take care of little kids and scaring them even more than I have to, <laughs> which I already do because I'm a man. But uh, <laughs> it's it's a fucked up time. And uh, But luckily, you, you have shown some new light on these weird times with a great album. I was just listening to it before uh, the interview uh, as I was eating lunch with my family here. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the, the melodies, the, the, it's heavy. It's got some, some very cool hooks to it. Uh, so congrats on that. Take me back, though, to the soundtrack of your youth. When you were growing up in your parents' or guardian's house, uh, what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? Well, first of all, thanks for the words about the album. Really appreciate that. Um... So growing up, uh, it, it's very eclectic because my dad, he'll, he would listen to anything from like uh, Tom Jones to like salsa music and then like Scottish bagpipes blaring in the house and stuff and just all kinds of, of stuff. And then like my older brother, he was very much into like 80s and 90s uh, rap and hip hop and stuff, which I still enjoy some of that stuff to this day, the old school stuff, of course. Uh, and <laughs> no SoundCloud rap for you. Yeah. No, no, oh, hell no. <laughs> and then I think when I finally struck out on my own was um, a lot of people are going to hate this, but it was the actual like new metal scene and stuff. Um, I heard like, you know, Linkin Park and Corn and all this stuff, but it was actually hearing uh, Chester Bennington of uh, Linkin Park that really like captivated me and was like, fuck, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to scream and stuff. So I started from there. That's uh, 17 years ago now. Um, so pretty much that's where I kind of delved into the whole genre and stuff and then quickly progressed to uh, like uh, Cannibal Corpse and stuff and, you know, hitting some death metal, then uh, black and then gothic, doom, what have you. So it, it just snowballed really quickly and rapidly. So I've been doing a lot of interviews from home like we're doing right now. And I, I have to say that a lot, a lot of people have been saying that it's been new metal. I don't know if it's because I've been 
having more <laughs> interviews with younger people so that that was what they were hearing on the radio and that is what touched them because it was a bit more aggressive i was a new metal child i've, I've been talking about it on the podcast i i'm not ashamed of my new metal <laughs> love and i still go back and listen to them quite frequently actually <laughs> but then you know and then we started with that and then obviously we moved backwards into the the thrash area of the of the 80s and then that's okay yeah i mean i i don't think you really need to or anybody needs to be ashamed of anything they listen to you know i definitely am not the kind that will adhere to like you know elitist or uh metal brotherhood norms or whatever nothing like that i mean i just listen to whatever i like and that's just it so i still listen to some of that stuff nowadays and chester's first band is actually re-releasing the CD that he was on before he was in Lincoln Park called Grey Days was the project. And there, it's actually coming out in the next few weeks. I'm not quite sure when it comes out, but it's on my radar. I, I A song popped into like a playlist the other day and I was like, what is this? It sounds like it sounds like Chester. Someone that sounds just like him. <laughs> and it sounds like newish, but old. And I went, I did some research and that's what it is. So you should check it out if you still like Chester. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 heard the, I heard the news and stuff, and uh, I haven't delved into it yet, but I did hear like a snippet. I think it was on Instagram or something, and you could definitely tell that it was like his vocals from way back in the day. He still has that like aggressive, phlegmy sound and, you know, tones screaming and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to it, though. He was a great frontman, great frontman, great vocalist, oh, yeah. and it's a shame yeah. uh, that, uh, you know, mental health is a disease that... Yeah, doesn't get the respect and the, you know, people don't take it serious. It's for sort of sad. Uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with uh, my metal friends and talking about their lives, music and craft beer. Uh, what do you have on your side that we're going to share together right now virtually? So right now I have uh, this IPA called Sitting Bulldog from uh, Gotland's uh, Brewery, which is uh, Gotland is like this little small island off the east coast, I think, of uh, Sweden. And... Um, I actually never tried it before, but I saw it, and, and I've seen it a bunch of times. Uh, I usually go for Belgian stuff, uh, Flanders red ales and stuff like that. I'm not a connoisseur or anything by any means, but like I do enjoy like these more darker, like red-style uh, craft beers. Yeah, you got to love Belgium. There would be no beer if it wasn't for Belgium. <laughs> so. Yeah, I got to say, the, Ger- the Germans like to say that they, uh, that they pretty much own beer, but nah, Belgians do it better. <laughs> oh, the, the, the Germans make very clean beer. Belgians made the, the nice Abbey-style stuff. So you got to, you know, monks that were worshipping their god were so bored <laughs> <laughs> that they created something beautiful. Today I am drinking uh, Mabadal City's Session IPA called Slomo, and uh, I showed you the can. And you yeah, because big eye. It's just a giant, <laughs> a giant eyeball. It clocks in at four point eight percent, so it's it's a pretty high session actually. Uh, I love Mabadal City, and a huge shout out to Gael and the rest of the team for hooking me up with some brews to share with all of my guests. Um, I love it. I've, I every time I drink one, I always say that I have my birthday parties there every year. It's walking distance from my house. Cheers. Uh, yeah, Amelia. Thank you so much for uh, cheers dude <laughs> thanks for having me it's perfect it's um, a nice little session super crushable still got that uh that hoppy bite but it's like a tropical juicy one versus a bitter one colors like a like an off yeah. sort of yellowish not quite orangey but it's uh, got some haze to it love mabrosity and everyone that can get some should get yeah, some. i'll definitely check it out take me to 
the first time you saw a band on stage? First time I saw a band on stage, uh, that would actually have to be Korn. Um, 2007, I believe. It was a Flyleaf, Death Stars, and Korn tour. Um, I, I grew up in the States, so of course I was young. I didn't really have the possibility to go to shows. And then when we moved back to Spain, because my parents are Spanish, um, yeah, I was, I was still young. There wasn't much of a possibility. But then me and my brother saw that they were playing, so we went there. And that was a fucking show. Like, really good. I mean, I'm not so much, uh, wasn't so much into Flyleaf, so it was kind of like, yeah, okay. But Death Stars and Korn, they, they slayed. Oh, yeah. Corn knows how to bring it, yeah. Take me to your first time on stage. Do you remember that? Whew. That was a shitty time. <laughs> it was... Uh, it, this... it, it normally was. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was like a, it was like a gothic metal band or whatever. Uh, I don't even remember the name. Twin, Twin Effects, I think. I'm not sure. Don't look it up, guys. <laughs> no, but, um, <laughs> but it was like some, yeah, some gothic metal band that I had with some friends in Spain. And we did our first show at a youth center. And it was like in front of maybe 15, 20 people. And they were, it was all friends. And it was the worst pile of shit ever. It was like nothing, nobody was in time. The drummer was way off. It was at the guitars were just... You know, they each had like different pedals and stuff like that. So it was one sounded like a buzzsaw. The other was like some kind of rocky sound. It was terrible. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, I look back on it now and I kind of laugh and stuff. But at that point, it was just, oh, wow. But how did you feel when you finished the show? Were you proud or were you embarrassed? I think at that moment I was proud because I, I didn't have anything to compare it to, you know. So I thought it went well and everything. But, you know, as time passed and I started working with like better musicians and stuff and, you know, and of course you grow up and just become better overall. Well, you know, yeah, you look back and you're like, oh, because I had somebody had a video of it on their phone or whatever it was. And it was just I was it was horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) See, I am thankful that I'm a little bit older. So all my early performances are either on a VHS tape (laughs) sitting in someone's closet rotting (laughs) and not immortalized on the internet so i am grateful for that oh luckily you can't find it on the internet no no no, that stuff's not on there (laughs) no no that's buried uh you mentioned uh chester as an original inspiration to start your your screaming progression who else would have been some of those early influences that would have caused you to become a harsh vocalist um Corey taylor from slipknot um Corpse Grinder uh, from uh, Cannibal Corpse, um, Shagrath from Demon Borgir. Um, who else? Um, there was this uh, one band called as, as uh, Blood Runs Black as well around 2007-2008. They were um, they had some pretty cool songs that I you know because I w- always wanted to like expand like my range and stuff. So I was always going into different genres and trying to master like the different uh, vocal ranges that all these artists had. So, but uh, off the top of my head, I would say those. And then of course, when I discovered Draconian, that was like really it for me. When I heard uh, Anders, uh, who's now a, a good friend of mine and of Sojourner and stuff. Um, that was when I really knew that I wanted to like be in bands and take it further. What would have been like your first voice that you danced in? What was your easy first scream before you put the work in to uh, spread your range? Mids. Yeah, because I was pretty much trying to emulate Chester the whole time. So, and he pretty much only does mids most of the time. So, especially on records. So, I would say mids. 
And then when you said that you worked on them, you would just put on the tracks and then sing along or yes. how did you go about that? So actually my parents were super cool, by the way. They just let me because <laughs> I, I always had the volume at max and, uh, and I was always trying to be louder than the actual stereo or the TV. Um, and I think that also contributes to, let's say, like the power that I have today because I was always working on volume and power and, and all that stuff. Uh, and yeah, my parents were just awesome. I remember one time a neighbor came knocking on the door, like, can you tell, can you tell him to turn that down? Or my dad's like, my son's practicing and slammed the door in his face. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It was really cool. Sometimes I'd even like come in the living room and watch or whatever. But yeah, um, it was just pretty much having it on the stereo really loud uh, and just trying to work all that stuff inside and just try to bring the sound out. How do you approach preparing your vocals for live performance? Um... So I'm ashamed to say that sometimes I actually don't. I just go on stage and I do it. I remember when I was first starting out, of course, it was terrible, you know, taste of blood in, in my mouth and all that kind of stuff. I was really messing with, <clears throat> with the vocal cords and stuff. But then one day it just clicks. So nowadays to get ready for a show, I'll do like some breathing exercises, like holding my breath for a really long time, maybe some humming, uh, of course, practicing a couple grunts and all that stuff, because nowadays I would say my strongest uh, area is probably the lows, um, grunting and growling and stuff. Um, so I'll just do some of those and just kind of, you know, get it all warmed up. Um, I used to actually maybe take like a shot of whiskey before, and I thought that did help. And it did for a couple of songs, but it really dries you out. So towards the mid end section of the show, you're just exhausted. So now it's like, I am a smoker, but I make it a rule now to like maybe two hours before a show, no drinking or smoking, and just hydrate myself. It's very important everyone out there, if you are an aspiring vocalist, or if you are a vocalist, uh, dehydration is our worst enemy, and being tired, obviously, but when you're on tour, you're obviously gonna be tired, because that's just what happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we, we tend to drink, you know, sometimes, yeah. which leads to dehydration. So you got to be careful and you got to be wise and you got to make the right decisions, which is not always the fun decision. And sometimes you got to go to bed when the party's still going on. So <laughs> it's all about the show. Yeah. A uh, secret uh, corpse grinder. I toured with Cannibal Corpse and uh, he used to have a can of Coke on stage. And if his voice was ever feeling strange, he would take a sip of Coke, but he would never want to get there because that would mean that he's having a bad show in his mind. Okay. Yeah, it's like sort of go ties into the the whiskey, right? So yeah, I've, yeah. I've I've also I've heard those stories of artists like screaming at their tour manager in the middle of a set saying, "I need whiskey to get through." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just a temporary solution, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had those those tours where you've lost your voice? Is that something that did happen back in the day or Um well, to be, to be honest, I don't have too much experience as like a full-on touring musician. Um, we did our first last year with Draconian and Hard Carry for the Sky, and then we had a UK one, and we've done festivals and stuff. But actually on the tour, because I feel very comfortable in my own skin, and I know what my limits are, and I don't push it too much. So, of course, I can do like the fancy, you know, flaunty stuff and all that, but it's like at the same time, you kind of just have to stick to your guns. Um, to maintain the voice. So I did have two shows on the European run with Draconian where I was a bit dry and stuff, but I think that's because of a bit too much partying the night before and <laughs> not getting enough sleep. So there's a, the hint right there. Um, I was a bit dry, but actually the rest of the tour went pretty well. Uh, I was pretty much at the top of my game every night. 
Um, I like to think so anyways. Um, so yeah, I haven't, I never had like my voice blow out and I couldn't continue any dates or anything like that. Never. So you guys didn't tour very much, but I imagine sadly now with COVID it's probably postponed, but you must've had some stuff lined up with this to, to coincide with uh, premonitions dropping. Yeah, we had a uh, last month, actually we were supposed to go on a nine dates tour around Europe with Finsterforce to Lucifer's child and countless guys, which of course got canceled unfortunately and this month we were supposed to go to germany for dark troll festival which oh, cool. as our album release show actually but yeah it's uh yeah been canceled but we are um playing next year at dark troll and the tour is still in the works to get uh rescheduled beautiful uh, it's interesting what artists are doing right now i saw century media i know you're on napalm as has, has launched this i can't wait to watch it this live stream concert with Borknagar as a part of it uh hideous divinity i'm just naming bands that i'm friends with because uh, i have that in the back of my mind there but there's a whole <laughs> bunch of other bands that are a part of this and i'm stoked to see this i'm stoked to see how they pull it off because yeah. uh, i've been thinking and trying to figure out how to do live stream concerts from a metal perspective that look cool that are cool that sound perfect and i i'm very interested to, to see how they pull this off is that something that you guys thought of being that you're so separated uh for us it's first of all it's a really cool idea what they're doing i think it's a cool alternative and stuff um but for sojourner unfortunately that's not possible we're in all different areas uh most of us if not all don't really have the equipment to pull something like that off um i don't even know how you would go about it (laughs) so it's definitely not something that uh, will happen with us unfortunately uh, being from Sweden, uh, you mentioned that you're more into Belgian beers, but Sweden has a sick craft beer scene. I played there a year ago, right now, actually. I was I, We played Gothenburg, and uh, I had a great time just perusing the craft beer bars, and I had such a great time. Uh, if you could make a Sojourner craft beer, what style would it be, and what would it be called? Oh, oh yeah, that's a tough one. Um, so I definitely like something kind of a bit bitter but also like leaning towards the sweet side maybe in an aftertaste uh sense a bit on the fruity side of taste not not too fruity but just you know some of those vibes of a bit bitter and sweet uh some nice hops in there um and then just like of course a nice alcohol percentage too maybe around (laughs) six six point two something like that and what would i call it you know what the event horizon i'd call it there you go. Yeah, I drink. I drink that with you. <laughs> nice. I'll make sure to get in production. If everyone, being that you haven't toured that that often, I like to ask always what the worst day on tour has been. Do you have a tour horror story? Tour horror story. Actually, we've we've had some pretty smooth uh, tours so far. There's nothing really that comes to mind that like is insane can i think of something hmm i think i'm gonna disappoint you on this question nah no horror stories everything was pretty yeah smooth and down to business every day and uh of course fun and all that but nobody like got locked in a bathroom somewhere nobody (laughs) you know no fights nothing like that so yeah no so far we've been spoiled with good experiences that's good just enjoy them enjoy them <laughs> because it's always it's the bad ones that you'll remember and we'll laugh about in the future though what would be a dream lineup for a tour if you could pick the bands 
Um, well, I had my dream come true last year when I toured Draconians. Still to this day, my all-time favorite band. But if I could choose um, a different lineup, I would say um, Bortnagar for sure. Which actually might happen because we're very in tight with Oystein. Um, he produced our album and everything. Um, Bortnagar... Uh, this is going to be weird, but Unleash the Archers. <laughs> I really enjoy them. And then, who else? Catatonia. Cool. Yeah, they dropped that new record. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I still need to delve into it, but I heard the couple singles they released, and oh my God, it's so good. Yeah, and Oystein is the nicest dude. I actually just, as we're speaking today, I dropped his episode this morning. Yeah, I saw the notification. <laughs> Which is a small, small world. And Unleash the Archers, uh, Brittany was on the podcast many, many moons ago. Oh, nice. I think she's on episode, episode 12, I want to say. Which is, uh, many moons ago. Yeah. But I love them. Shout out to my brothers and sister from Unleash the Archers. <laughs> Um, let's touch on this album, Premonitions. Yep. Um, how did you approach, was there anything different with your approach creating this new record that something changed from the previous record that you would like to speak about um actually we, we pretty much maintain the same formula uh mike and chloe write most of the music and they would uh you know compare notes and all this stuff and send each other files and then uh once basically the songs were finished they'd get to me and then i'd uh work out lyrics and vocal ideas and yeah put them on the mic and then send it back and then drums and bass would come in after. It's pretty much the exact same formula we had even for the first album. Uh, just because obviously being international, we're kind of limited anyways. Um, we don't really have, uh, even if we could, I don't think we'd be the band that kind of like jams and just writes music that way. Especially because we all kind of like our alone time when we're doing this kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's uh, definitely done as file sharing and everything like that, but it works for us. It's almost as if like your band wouldn't be able to exist without the internet. That's exactly correct. <laughs> it, it is. It is. If it wasn't for the internet, we imagine, imagine, what, imagine waiting for that tape for three weeks. You know? <laughs> oh, that would be some weird shit. Yeah. No. It's a good thing we, we were founded in, two, in 2015 and not eight, 1989. <laughs> it's, it's cool, though, the, what, what the you know, technology has brought. The fact that it is so easy to share music and to create with people all over the globe. Yeah. Just sit down right now and have a chat with you when you're in Sweden and I'm in Montreal. It's it's Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's it's absolutely crazy to me. Yeah, and it's right at the moment. It's like Mike will be in his uh, home studio writing a riff and then 10 minutes later I have it and I'm like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, dude. So it's like, yeah, the internet really does make things a lot easier and some awesome things uh, able to happen because, yeah, uh, when we first started the band, Mike and Chloe were in New Zealand and I was in Sweden. It was just the three of us. And it was like, but we still made it happen. And now from being the studio band to going out and touring and all that stuff, it's, uh, it, it is really thanks to the internet. And it's a dream come true. It's amazing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you just got to put the work in, people. If you, if you don't hustle and you don't put the work in, nothing's going to happen in this world. Yeah, definitely. There's uh, countless hours, uh, especially Mike, who handles a lot of our stuff, production and record and all this stuff. It's, uh, there's a lot of dedication and passion that you have to have and also you know never ever like be like oh we're gonna get famous or get money or whatever it just needs to be passion and love if you're in it for you know money and all that stuff then nothing's really happen because nothing's gonna happen because you're in it for the wrong reasons absolutely true um uh, let's wrap this up with a classic ending question i've had for the past few weeks what is your hangover cure 
Hangover cure. Burgers and fries. Yep, the grease will sum yep, up the alcohol. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the greasier and sloppier, the better. Emilio, this was great. Thank you so much for taking some time to celebrate Premonitions, the new Sojourner record, which just came out via Napalm Records. I am stoked to be here to celebrate this release with you today. I appreciate it. Cheers. I can't wait until you come through Montreal or if I'm over in your area, come out. We'll drink a beer together for real. Definitely, man. Cheers. And thanks so much for the interview. Really appreciate it. And it was fun talking to you, dude. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I had such a great chat with Emilio, such a great, smart, well-trained vocalist. I liked how we had similar early influences and then we both grew in separate directions. I like how that happens, how you can be influenced by the same thing at the beginning, but then your paths diverge and we still both ended up in two touring bands. It's very cool. As I mentioned, Premonitions, their album came out last week. You should absolutely go check it out. It came out via Napalm Records, and I highly recommend it. I hope that you have a great weekend. I hope that it's nice and beautiful and sunny so that we can all go outside safely, of course, and that we get to enjoy a little bit of heat, a little bit of sun, because it's something that makes me feel happy personally, and I like to enjoy the little things these days. I think that's very important. I will be back next week with three episodes, one on Monday, one on Wednesday, and one on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Fox and Hopsits. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.